welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and I am here in person with Father Chuck. Hey man, it's so good to have you here. And with Matt Wells. I, I really couldn't care less. Actually, should we, un- should we mention his, his new podcast name? <laughs> That's right. We, we have podcast personas. I am, well, I'm just JP. And Chuck is Father Chuck. And Matt is now officially Deputy Matt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. He graduated uh, uh, the, 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 the Steve Gutenberg Academy yeah. of, of police. Last night. <laughs> oh, and that's, I mean, and, and that's, that is the momentous occasion that brought JP to South Florida for us to be together in person for the first time since Rob Bell. Not really, but you can say that. I just wanted to get a, just wanted to get away from the tomatoes. Oh, so, no, that's fine. I thought you meant not really since Rob. I was like, when were you here since uh, Rob Bell? <laughs> no, 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 no. I had no doubt that you're not here for me. I was just getting out of Oklahoma. Of course I was here for you, Matt. I support you in your... Bringing down bad guys. I would I would leave Oklahoma to come here because somebody said that the clouds look nice today. <laughs> they actually did look nice today. Didn't they? Yeah, they yeah, did. Smart people move back to Florida. It's okay. true. Okay, mm-hmm. let's not. It's true. I did it. I moved back. Let's mm-hmm. not. Oh, this is giving me. I'm like, I'm like Rick right now. You guys want it? Morty. I can't do it. I don't think I could do a good Rick and Morty. I'm not even sure what's happening right now. Have you not watched Rick and Morty? moving back to Florida. Have you not watched Rick and Morty? Nope, not one. Really? Yeah. Why? Really? Guys, I've been busy. (laughs) Well, but but Rick and Morty's been a thing since before you were busy. But, 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 yes. I know, you talked about it before and I have not watched it. You just decided not to. I'm a horrible human being. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm actually surprised. Being being such a big fan of Harmon, of Dan Harmon that you are. Harmon Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I right. listened to that in like seven months either. I miss uh, it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's it's so good. It's so good. I'm just I'm still stuck on how did this get made. That's, really good That's also really good. That's all I listen to when I have like five seconds. Yeah. Well, uh let's let's get down to business, shall we? Let's do it. This is episode two of Music Mayhem. Uh, Matt has chosen uh Let It Be Ellipses Naked. Uh, by the Beatles, who were a, a major inspiration of a lot of everybody. a lot of musicians, such as uh, Britney Spears, <laughs> um, Rascal Flatts, <laughs> um, uh, uh, the Butthole Surfers. I'm sure. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe Frank Sinatra, um, and Dean Martin. <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> i mean they weren't not an inspiration to those people right do you think did, did frank sinatra like the beatles i don't even know i don't think he did because i think he saw them as dirty countercultural types yeah uh, yeah he, he looked looked down on them with his mafia buddies yeah music may have <laughs> so we're talking about the beatles um, and Let It Be Naked, and, uh, guys, this was my first time listening to this album today. Like, now, to Let It Be Naked, or Let It Be, period? Oh, uh, period. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've only listened to, like, one Beatles album as Revolver, and maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, a Greatest Hits album or something. Wow, I'm actually, <laughs> Matt, Matt is leaving. I'm so, sup- really, GP? Uh, goodbye, Matt. I'll see you later. Uh, uh, hey, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> Mayhem. <laughs> I'm I'm actually that's really surprises me, Jimmy. I'm being yeah. surprised tonight by my co-hosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things I never really got around to do it. I mean, I, like I listen to a lot of you know popular Beatles songs. But I just like, never really got. Around. No, I was no, no. Sorry. Sorry would be a good place. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so let it be naked, Matt. Um, why did you choose this album? Because I love it. But you guys said it was boring. Mm. Ashamed of both of you. I did not say it was boring. No, you said it was boring. I did. I did say it was boring. I, I, I mean, you've got to admit, of the Beatles catalog, it is 
among the more boring Beatles albums? Um, it's my favorite. Is it really? Yeah. Hmm. Is that why you chose it? Because it's your favorite? Partially, but also I think it's a good. It's it's a good. Uh... You see, the the Beatles have their you know their really early stuff, very pop, very fun, sort of like yeah, yeah, love and romance, and then they have their later stuff that's like very trippy, um, yeah. very different, very countercultural, mm-hmm. and I feel like this one was right in the middle, um, especially this version of it because Paul McCartney said that it was supposed to go back to their more to their original sound, which is why he re-released it little changes he did to it right because he said it was supposed to sound more like their original stuff going back to their roots and he didn't like what the production was released on let it be so he put let it be naked out there because he said that's how it's supposed to be and to me it has the sound and feel of the old beatles music with the lyrics and underlying tone of the new stuff yeah so and i like that meeting in the middle and what was and for me personally like i i, I remember when let it be naked came out and i bought it and it was in addition to being really cool to finally hear Paul McCartney's vision for that album, if you ever want something that's somewhat humorous to read, is if you try to track down the letter that he wrote to Phil Spector oh, yeah. about what Phil Spector did to Let It Be. Hmm. Because that's Let It Be is, is a very controversial Beatles album in the sense that it was released after the Beatles broke up. And so Phil Spector took um, a lot of license with, 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 with producing that thing. And he added female, like a female choir to, I think, The Long and Winding Road. Um, the Beatles had never used um, background vocalists other than themselves. They always, huh. if they wanted like a, like, a, like a more, like, if they wanted that sound, they would have sung falsetto themselves in the background. Right. Um, and so it was a lot more produced and a lot more people involved in it than they were comfortable with. But, um, but aside from that was, um, it was also the, um, the impetus to, get the record companies on board realizing that the Beatles entire collection needed to be released in um, a full like digitally restored format. Um, so this is fairly recently. I would not mean like, you know, like. It's 2004. 2003. 2003. Oh, okay. I'm thinking this is like happening in the seventies. No. I mean, it's, I mean, the stuff was recorded. Well, actually, so let it, oh, I'm sorry, Matt, I'm, I'm going to let you talk. I'm sorry. I, I can geek out on my Beatles when it comes knowledge. To, when it comes to the music history stuff, I, I, Okay. <laughs> so let it be. Originally, was originally conceived as an album called Get Back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and the idea was uh, the Beatles were after the White Album. Um, the Beatles are very fractured, um, and Paul came, and, and what I, and, and this kind of marks the Let It Be and Abbey Road are the uh, are the last two Beatles albums. They mark kind of a shift where they're much more Paul McCartney steered um, products than you know Paul and John together. Okay. Um, and what Paul felt the band really needed was just to get back to being a four-piece rock band, to get away from all of the music experimentation that was being done in like Sgt. Pepper and, 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 and all that time period. And so, um, so they considered this project where they would do a movie showing them sort of refocusing and getting back together. And the song Get Back is supposed to be like, get back to where you once belonged. The whole concept of that song is around that idea. And what ended up happening is that the Beatles broke up during the process of recording this. Uh, or were, like, well, no, so they didn't break up. They were falling apart as a band. And it, and it wound up capturing them falling apart. Huh. They scrapped the Get Back project and instead recorded Abbey Road. Okay. It wound up actually being the last album that the Beatles recorded. Um, they broke up shortly after Abbey Road's release. And then Let It Be came out. So it was recorded before Abbey Road, but released after the fact. I see. Um, but it was, again, it was released largely through the work of Phil Spector, who was a um, producer. And murderer. Um, and, and murderer, yeah. <laughs> um, and he, um, and he's, he pioneered a, um, a production technique known as the Wall of Sound, which is lots of, lots of background music, okay. uh, or lots of background stuff. Um, so it's just this big, again, wall of sound. It's what um, Bruce Springsteen ended up using in a lot of his early stuff. Um, um, but anyway, so um, so Let It Be began, so the Let It Be is meant to be this thing that was supposed to be getting the Beatles back on track to what they were supposed to be, and then it ended up sort of chronicling um, their demise. And the movie Let It Be, because it's, it, it's still, it's released, it's considered like the soundtrack to the movie Let It Be, mm-hmm. Um 
is a, a chronicle of the Beatles basically breaking up. Oh, really? And it's really sad. Should watch um, that. That sounds kind of cool. I didn't yeah, know that. it's it, you get to see them fighting with each other. Ringo and George fighting with each other at one point. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I and was Yoko on the piano, just sitting there the whole time, just, <laughs> just sitting there. Oh gosh. Maybe she wasn't singing. <laughs> Have you? Quick tangent. Have you guys seen the video on YouTube where John Lennon is performing with Chuck Berry? No. And Yoko Ono is there. And they're performing Johnny B. Good. At least I think it was Johnny B. Good. And, and Yoko Ono grabs a microphone and just starts making like weird noises as they're performing. And you can like see Chuck Berry's face. His eyes get like, really wide like, what is this woman doing? <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen that. Was it um, – I wonder if it was the, the concert um... – it was like on some TV show, like oh, some, okay, like, like they're like some late night show, I think. Oh, okay, something. probably like Carson or something because he was on. Yeah, I saw her actually perform in the last several years on a late night show, and all she does <laughs> is hold a mic and make those noises. Too. Yeah, she just made like. It's awful. I can only describe them as like farm noises. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so I, I will. I'll admit this. It made Chuck Berry a little bit punk rock. <laughs> a little bit. Well, so so it, since you're talking about Yoko Ono and the and the sounds that she makes, um, <laughs> so the one of my favorite little bits of trivia is there's a little band from Athens, Georgia, that produced in the late '70s a record called, or there was a little band called the B52s, yeah. and they recorded a very famous single known as Rock Lobster. Yes. And John Lennon, who had walked away from music for a couple of years to focus on being a dad to his son, Sean, because he had been a, he was a terrible father to Julian. Um, he heard the song. He heard Rock Lobster at a club. And he said, <clears throat> it sounded to me like what Yoko Ono was doing. <laughs> and I realized maybe the world is ready for the kind of music we want to make. And so he said, I dusted off the old guitar and I went to the studio. And the result was Double Fantasy. <laughs> which is the album that was produced and released the day that John Lennon died. Oh, God. So what I'm saying is that the B-52 is responsible for murder murdering John Lennon. You know, I actually, uh, I had Double Fantasy on, on vinyl. Nice. Uh, I found it in a dumpster. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> uh, never played it, but I'm just, you know, you know people. Like, I, I, I kind of know why you chose this album. <clears throat> why? Like I have my own theory, my own death of the author theory. I mean, like who cares, who cares what you came up with? <laughs> um, because I I know like at your heart what you love the most when it comes to music, you like raw, stripped down, mm -hmm. unplugged. Even though a lot of this was electric, uh, acoustic, like just a dude and his guitar, or bongos. Like that, that, that is to me like, and, and you, you listened to, to Matt's, you know, playlist last week, last year. And I don't, I don't believe that's very representative to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So he knows how stripped down Slipknot is. <laughs> Which... you heard that one? That particular one? Of no, because I don't listen to Slipknot. <laughs> all the Slipknot songs listen to that one. No. There's a reason. I'm, yeah. No, there is a reason. I, he, Every, it is the yeah. only song of theirs that does not sound like them in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I've heard it. You, you've played it for me and it's actually, yeah, yeah. That, that I gotta go, look, hit pause. Um, no, that's right. No, 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 like, no. We're, we're not doing this. Two seconds of it. Watch. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and we're back. So, so Matt played that Slipknot song. You're right. It doesn't sound like a Slipknot. Um, that the Slipknot that I know. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, to me, that list is not that representative. Uh, but I feel like when I was listening to this, some, a lot of the songs, I was like, oh, yeah, I could see why. Matt shows is why this is no and actually bit. that's why it doesn't surprise me that that uh father father chuck over here would say <laughs> it's boring um i've always been the person that like the acoustic version is the one i love right and then they add all the production to it and the band and the drums and the this and the that and everybody's like now it's a hit and i'm like no now you ruin the song no and that's always been me here's why let me here's why here's why i say that let, let it be is boring is you're dumb no, it's because of all like so so I'll go ahead and tell you like we've talked about there's different kinds of Beatles fans, right? There's early Beatles fans, there's like mid Beatles fans, there's little late Beatles fans. I I like Beatles music from rubber soul until Let It Be. Um the thing about Let It Be is is whenever I listen to it, is that it has like four 
exceptional singles on it. The Long and Winding Road, Let It Be, um, Across the Universe, and um, and Get Back. Um, for like, I mean, and, and, and so, I mean, they're, they're so good. Those singles are so good that everything else on the album, oh, and Two of Us, which is my favorite Beatles song. So, yeah. Um, is, um, so, nah. but is that those are, is that they're so good that everything else feels like filler. Whereas I feel like Abbey Road, um, and all the other albums, every song is worth is worth your time, except for Revolution 9 on the Wyatt album. I don't know anyone other. Oh my gosh, I can't make it through that song. I've, I've made <laughs> I it through. I gave I've done it once. a legitimate panic attack in the car. <laughs> I've done it um, once. At, we were, what, midnight? driving. Just number 9, number we were, 9, yeah. number yeah. 9. We were driving to, were, was it when we were driving to Halloween Horror Night? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Like midnight in the car, and That's we decided, all right, we're going to see if we can make it all the way through. The scariest and thing that happened that night. Legitimately started having panic attacks. Yeah, it's a, that's a terrifying piece of music. I, I listened to it one night. I tried. I, I got all the way through it while laying in my bed with headphones on. Yeah, it's creepy. It is creepy. You know what I just realized? This might be a little bit of a tangent, kind of a little off topic, but the album, I, I did read that one of the reasons why Paul McCartney wanted to make this album was to get back to their roots, so like what they originally did. And also because I guess they were, their previous albums they had been recording like separately. Yes, the White Album was all of them separate. Right, and then he's like, "We need to all be together to record." Like, and like now we're all together recording. Right, yeah. Aww. Aww. And we're getting back right now. Yeah. Side. Now we're gonna do. We should do. An, we should do an episode on the roof of the office. <laughs> <laughs> and then break up. <laughs> no. This will be released. That makes me sad. By the time you're listening, which one of us gets shot? Which one of us gets shot? By the time you're listening to this podcast, we will have already broken up, and this will be released by our producer. And the sound effects you're hearing right now, as I speak, were not intended. His wall of sound idea really makes me angry. I should put a wall of sound in this episode. See what see what I can come up with. So, so anyway, that being said, that's I, I, that's why I'm saying like I don't think that it's like. I'm not saying it's a bad album. I'm just saying, like, in comparison to Beatles records, I find this one to be among the more boring Beatles yes. records. But it has but one with... of their, it has four incredible songs, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, one of the greatest songs ever, which is "Let It Be." Sorry, you might not agree with me, but it might no, be yeah. one of the greatest songs ever. It's a great song. Um, so of course, <clears throat> the rest isn't going to measure up because it's like perfection, like the the "Let It Be." That song alone, and we were talking before recording this about the different versions of it, how many ways it's been done, how many people have done that song, and it's incredible. Like the song is amazing. It's it's a powerful song. Yep. And it, it's it's moving. And even if you don't, you don't even have to look at the lyrics and know what it's about, and it's still Mary will move McCartney, you. Paul's mom. It'll still move you though. Is my point. Also, like that's how powerful the music kind of. itself is in that song. Yeah. Well, and and. And listening to this again, and I think, and I like the point that JP made. That like, yeah, you, Matt likes, like you said, and like you said, Matt, you like the, you like the more like toned down. Mm-hmm. Listening to "Let It Be Naked," I realized shows a lot of really great artistic restraint on the part of Paul of Paul's vision for it. Because, like, if you think about how many of the other Beatles records were just really indulgent in a lot of the experimentation they were they were going for. Right. Um, particularly John. I think John was trying to was really, really trying to do some pretty out there out there stuff at the time. Whereas I think Paul really just wanted to make music. Um, and um, and so there's a, a lot of and that's why I like listening to it in comparison to say like the like the the, the, the wide release Phil Spector produced version of it is so somewhat jarring is because it, you know, the idea of it being a toned down and held back thing rather than like a major statement of audacity is really, I think, a really cool thing for them to have done, especially at this stage in their career. Have you guys listened to the other Let It Be album, the, the Phil Spector produced one? Yeah, I've listened to the other one. It's been a while. I've listened to that. And do you, do you legitimately think like it's like a bad album? Like, is it just like. No, no. not at all. I don't think it's a bad album <laughs> at all, but I love this one. And I told you when, you when I told you I picked this one. I said to me, this one feels like you're sitting with the Beatles. Yeah, and um, that's I, that's what I like. Like actually, one of my all-time favorite albums is um, 
I just forgot the name of it. It's but it's like just sessions with the Beatles. Oh, um, and it's literally they had the mic. The anthology. They had the mic on. Yeah, they literally had the mic on while they're recording at the studio. So you hear the talking, you hear the mm. messing around with the music, you hear actual trying to record it, all that nonsense. One of my favorites. You could close your eyes and picture like you're sitting in the middle of the room with them doing. It. That's cool. And to me, this album has that feel to it. Yeah, and it's 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 hard for me to listen to the 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 standard "Let It Be," knowing how much of a departure it is from what Paul is now that now that "Let It Be Naked" is out. Yeah, I to answer your question. Sorry, but to answer your question, I don't think it's a bad album at all. At all. But listening to this one and going back to that one, I don't like it like okay. this one. Right. Um, and so it sort of doesn't make – it almost like it almost doesn't make sense to go back mm -hmm. because you've got what Paul originally wanted it to be right now in front of your hands. Um, I did realize that uh, I've not actually – I've never heard uh, the version of Across the Universe that's in this album. Like I've only heard the one that's in the uh, – Phil Spector produced mm -hmm. album. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Since it's like you know one of the legendary songs from the album from the Beatles <clears throat> about that particular song. Well, I'll go. I, I um listening to it again. It's one of those songs. I I when I was a kid, I listened to it and like I, and I you know Across the Universe is a great song, and then it just got like it became to me like just that go to hippie nonsense song <laughs> like. You know, Fiona Apple covered it for um, the Pleasantville soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Really cool video for it. But it was just sort of like, it got so overplayed and it became like just such a cliche Beatles song and like, and like a cliche, like, I'm deep and hip and like really smart, you know, Beatles song. Yeah. Um, and so like, I was like, when, when I was listening to this again the other day, I was like, it came on, I was like, oh, that's like, it's a slog to get through this song. <laughs> but then I paid attention to it and I like it again um, because I realized one, it's it's sort of a counterpoint to what has become one of my other favorite Beatles songs, which is Tomorrow Never Knows, the, the very last song on Revolver, which is um, basically an acid trip set to music. I mean, it's lyrics from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Oh, yeah. All I, that with, I rediscovered that song, too, uh, yeah. a few months ago. You and I were listening to it, and that's, really, that's actually really good. I love that song. Um, but Across the Universe is almost like the, the bookend to that. It's the other side of it, because it's about transcendental meditation. And it's it's sort of it's sort of capturing the experience of transcendental meditation, and I realize that the chorus "Nothing's going to change my world" is sort of like a koan or something, and that it has multiple layers of meaning. Like nothing's going to change my world is sort of like you're reserved to accept the fact that the world I live in now is it is what it is, and nothing's going to change it. Right. Alternatively, there's the Buddhist understanding of where nothingness is sort of the ultimate attaining goal of your life, and so the idea of nothing's going to change my world, like when you realize that nothing. Mm. that nothing is what's happening then nothing is going to change your world mm. like it's going to affect your way of perceiving the world and just so like listening to it over and over with those kinds of like i put it on repeat like i just i, I kept listening to it really and like <laughs> that I, I just found like that just a really profound and fairly deep thing and and i've realized over the years and i think it was the movie across the universe that made me realize this is that and this may i don't know if matt will be bothered by this but like i sort of realized that the beatles aren't fame like aren't really notable lyricists hmm. like i feel like a lot of their lyrics are just sort of there like i just don't really remember ever listening to like their lyrics and thinking oh this is profound um i sort of see like and maybe it's because i've been much more of a and you're gonna laugh at this because i know we're gonna get into it but i've grown up being much more of a john lennon fan and i know that john lennon was very influenced by lewis carroll and his poetry and so john lennon likes to do silly vague things yeah. Um, and so maybe that's part of it. But I sort of feel like the Beatles weren't necessarily trying to – they're they're not trying to say something. They're trying to make a big statement. They're just very creative and they're making stuff. Yeah. And I, I think it depends on – I think it depends on the song and the time period. Sure. I think yeah. in a lot of their experimental stuff, they were literally like pulling their lyrics off of a sign that they walked by right. and saw a poster. And they were like, I'm going to turn that into a whole – psychedelic song right. um, but i feel like i feel like paul mccartney and john lennon are both credited as being incredible with lyrics and i think that it's the simplicity of their lyrics that people have always been impressed maybe. by um especially you always hear john lennon being talked about in his solo stuff with um working class hero right and the album being just profound and deep and touching people's lives and well and i mean of and course there's like, imagine yeah, and I, which well, is 
don't even get me started on that song. That's a whole other topic. There's a reason I stayed away from John Lennon by himself because I, I'd get hung up on that song forever. Um, but yeah, I, so I think that they, they were known for their lyrics. I think a lot of their lyrics are just fun. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's depth hidden throughout some of them. And then there's yeah. some that are just profoundly deep, like Let It Be. Yeah, yeah. I guess the thing is, I'm not trying to say that like their their lyrics were empty. Right. No, I, I'm no. just trying to say that like... Right. You know that 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 the music. I think the lyrics were more supportive of the music than the music supportive of the lyrics. And I would say, and all, and, and all I was saying is, I would agree with you on most of their songs. Yeah. And then there's those exceptions to the rule that show that they were profound lyricists. Right. And I think they across just, the universe, a lot of times balanced it with. I think it goes back to that artistic restraint that you're talking about. I think they purposely used simple lyrics in some of their songs because they were holding back to to emphasize the band and the music and they're playing together and how it flows and the, right. the psychedelic trips they're trying to take. And so they were pulling back on the lyrics, letting people just feel the music. Mm -hmm. And then there's the songs where they just let go on the lyrics and it's like, the music's incredible, but you're also caught up in these words that the yeah. more you think about them, the more you're like, what in the world? And I think to me, and we, uh, father Chuck and I, um, don't see Ida on the movie at this point because he says he's over it. <laughs> but I think to me, growing up with the Beatles, loving their music and stuff, I actually had a whole new appreciation for the depth of their music when it, the movie Across the Universe came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because if people listening to this, you're probably too young to have ever seen it because you didn't care because you're too cool. Um, <laughs> go watch it. it. I think it's incredible. If you haven't seen it, I think even Father Chuck will say it's incredible. He's just over it because he's watched it too much. I, I will say about that, but, I, I really love uh, Joe Cocker's rendition of Come Together. Yeah. That's, that's the definitive. Awesome. That's the def that's what we should talk about. I I literally... Definitive versions that are maybe not the Beatles version. I literally... Well, uh, okay, yeah. Well, I'll hold that for a second then. What I was getting ready to say because it kind of fits with that. Because um, that's what I will also say is when other people do Beatles music, it, it's only one or the other for me. It mm -hmm. either blows me out of the water or I hate it beyond belief. <laughs> Um, there's no in between. I've never heard one where I'm like, oh, that's okay. Um, but across the universe is nothing more. See, what I think is it's well written. That's what impresses me. The story to across the universe is actually a good story from beginning to end. Why I say that impresses me is from beginning to end, the movie is nothing more than a visual representation of Beatles music from start to finish. Um, every yeah. image, every color, every act is yeah. a visual representation Here. of the music. And the fact that the story's great surprises me that they were able to pull off both. And that's well, why that movie's still impressive. So two things um, about part of why I'm over it. Um, <laughs> Across the Universe, the plot of that movie is, a, is an absolute ripoff of an NBC miniseries from the late 90s called The 60s. Like It is exactly that miniseries, um, just with a Beatles soundtrack. Um, the other thing and why – the biggest reason why I'm over it and why I – and it is also – can get into why I'm I am my I'm kind of over John Lennon a little bit is the I trauma that you experienced a few years ago that we don't talk about on the podcast. What? <laughs> um, no, I'm. It's I am really tired of the fetishizing of the 1960s. I am tired of the boomer generation constantly hearkening to the 1960s as like the like apex of like all civilization and time. Yeah. No. And so, like, and to me, Across the Universe is just that because, uh, uh, was it, is it Julie Timor? Julie, Ta Julie Taymor. Julie Taymor. Just, it's just sort of, it's, uh, But don't you feel So self-indulgent and just like, like oh, we're in the 60s, it's so important. Which is, uh, by the way, the, one of the best things that took, takes the piss out of that whole thing is in, um, the movie, um, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Oh, yeah. Where, like, there's a moment where they're, like, all, like, hippied out and they're jumping on a trampoline and he's like, it's the 1960s. It's the most important time of ever, of, like, a, that we'll ever live in. It's just, it's so, like... Well, don't you think it's kind of going away now, though? Like, as we're getting older and as the boomers are getting older and, you know, ruining the world and stuff? I, you know, I <laughs> I don't know. Because all during the, all during this presidential election, I kept hearing comparisons to the 1968, uh, like, to just 1968 in general. I love 1968. And Night like, of Living Dead, Rosemary's Baby. Oh, and, and, and I mean, the, and the, this album. Incredible Cars. I mean, come on. You got to give them that. Oh, and of course you have the, and the MC5 was playing at the, at the DNC. Okay, um, so we're starting to agree that the 60s are the most important best time ever. <laughs> no, actually. Just kidding. No, I will actually make my argument that the 80s are the most important time ever. But, um, <laughs> um, but like, 
I just so and that's why and then and John and so to me John Lennon why why I'm just sort of I under I recognize the man is a genius. Mm-hmm. I love the music that he has made. I mean, he's created some You're of just like jaded to that three, whole entire era. <laughs> he embo- well he embodies all of the worst impulses of the boober generation. Um, I mean, he produced a lot of pretty sounding nothingness. Um, and like, what did he really accomplish? Yeah. You know, I mean, and like, and he just sort of also sort of like when you start following, like looking at him throughout the whole year, it's like, oh, he's just really a trend. Like he follows the trends. Like, oh, he's like a Bob Dylan, like rockabilly kind of guy in the beginning. And then he's a, a folksy kind of, oh, now he's a hippie. Now he's an artist. Now he's a rock star. I mean, it just sort of like he fits whatever the time is expecting him to do. And I just mm-hmm. sort of. Like I just don't know if I find him all that original, yeah. um, in that in that regard, um, and plus like I don't know, just like it just yeah. It's, it's, but again, imagine imagine the the lyrics of that song I I cannot endorse, and the ideas behind that song I cannot endorse. It is one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever, <laughs> like popular music ever produced. Yeah, um, and so. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so I recognize, you know, I'm not going to deny the guy's not a genius. I mean, I mean, I've grown up my whole life listening to his music, but it's just, it's, I'm coming to a place now where I'm just a little jaded. I'm a little jaded. That's right. it, Matt. And, this, jaded. And, and that whole rant right there is why we'll be broken up before this is really done. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm over my head. And now. if you're still listening right now, I'm like Ringo to our listeners out there. If you're still on here listening, um, you have no brain either. Cause you should have turned it off the second you started talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but no, no, um, yeah, no, I got nothing to say to you about that. We're just going to let that go. I'm going to let you get away with that rant. All um, right. <clears throat> but, uh, <clears throat> hold on. <clears throat> I'm choking up over here. <laughs> uh, but no, wait, no, I'm not done. Okay, okay. Go. Sorry. No, I'm, Jeez. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing what on is, this episode. What is it's, a, it's a coconut. Um, I am, I am Ringo in this episode. But what I, what I will say, I want to I comment. <laughs> What's I'm gonna, the thing you do? I'm going to ignore everything you just said and comment only on the song Imagine. Um, even though that's not on our album. <laughs> Have we even really talked about this album? No, no, but this is why I wanted to play the album. Yeah. Um, to me, this, the album was just about, to me, the album is a great view into the Beatles. It's an excuse to talk about the Beatles. And then it's, yeah, well, it's a great view into them as an album. Yeah. If you're going to pick up a Beatles album and you want the in-between, so you want to hear kind of that old Beatles sound, but get the, the feel of the new stuff, I think it's a good start. And then you mm-hmm. go one way or the other and find out what you like. But it's an excuse to talk about them. Um, the song Imagine, like you're saying, you can't agree with the ideology of the song. You can't stand behind any of that. I agree with you. And at the same time, love that song because of the unbelievable honesty behind it. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and the view that it gives into, as somebody who who believes very differently from the some of the ideas expressed in that song, um, to me, every time I listen to it, reminds me of how um, how much... I could be expressing the wrong message to people that causes them to feel that way the, the song is. To, to say mm, that life would be better. Every time I hear it and I hear the song, imagine there's no um, imagine there's no heaven. Um, no hell below us. No hell below us. Above us only. Stuff. Yeah, it's... Um, every time I hear that, I'm like, what? And they think that... And the idea behind the song is if you got rid of all that stuff, life all of a sudden would be... Like, we would realize what's important and life would be meaningful imagine a perfect world where we weren't trying to get into heaven and stay out of hell is basically what he's saying Mm -hmm. and every time i hear it the thought process i have is how sad is it that i'm expressing to people that as a christian my only belief is my goal is to get into heaven and stay out of hell right that's a good point and that i'm ignoring everything he's talking about so to me it's like a great every time i hear it that's first of all the music is powerfully moving that song um uh, the lyrics are great, and then to me, they're like every time they they make me have the same thought. They're like an eye opener hmm. of how can I better express to people that my my belief system, um, which centers around a faith that talks about heaven and hell as very real realities, also believes that that should should not distract from everything he's saying. Imagine if we didn't live like that, we would actually face the stuff that's important and care for each other. Um, it's like I, I, I hold the answers to that too. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I, um, I'm just, um, I, 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 just personal baggage too, because I've been around, I've been around a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Christians, air quote Christians, um, who have also like really fetishized the song Imagine, and like okay. I just remember hearing a story once of someone like. Well, in church, instead of saying the Nicene Creed, we just sang Imagine. It's like, oh my... Like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, no. No. Really no. no, see, I... I, I huh. And so, like, and so it's hard. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, other people have ruined this stuff. Yes. Yeah. You have a problem um, with letting go of other people's opinions. Well, no, I mean, that's... Uh, that's a tangent I won't, I won't go into, but go ahead, Trevor. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to talk about fan ownership in an episode. We should do that. Stuff like that. We should do that. Well, I think I have, Beatles I have, Mania uh, will lead right into that. I have <laughs> strong thoughts. I have really strong thoughts about that. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the place I'm at, man. It's the place I'm know. at. I went from a place where, I mean, I think consistently my favorite Beatles album is probably the White Album. Hmm. Um, probably. But it's a, cl- a close second is Abbey Road. Um, I love Abbey Road. I used to not like Abbey Road, but recently started listening to it, and I realized, man, when the Beatles are just a four-part rock band, they are a really good rock band. And Abbey Road is like really evidence of how good a rock band they can be. Um, especially like once you get through the, there's like, uh, what is it? Uh, there's like four songs in it that all kind of blend together. I can't remember the songs now, but, um, but, but yeah, but it's um, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, but I, I would say one of mine's Revolver, and Revolver's it's good. for it just. I mean, Eleanor Rigby alone. Oh, oh, great gosh, song! So I love that song. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, JP's been trying to say something <laughs> for like twenty minutes. Trying to moderate here, um, Matt. Do you have uh, what are some of your favorite songs in the album? And can you tell us like why for each one? I feel like that's what we just talked about for 20 minutes. Well, I mean, are there any... <laughs> he loves one over 909. All right, come on. Speci- I mean, get, get kind of specific. Like, that's, is, is there that, a... that's the one that when I hear it, I'm like, ah. Oh, okay. That's on it's my just list. A, it's just a woohoo. I made a list of my favorites. I'm just wondering if you guys had lists too. Let it be. I mean, you don't... Yeah. You can't... I don't, I don't even know what to say. That song alone, we could have done a whole episode on. Right. I was thinking that too. Actually, as I, was, as I was listening to it, I feel like we have talked about it. I think Chuck and I talked about it once. Probably did we the Mary episode? Or no, didn't we? Oh yeah, we talked about the Mary episode. <clears throat> yeah. I think we did. Um, did you use that? Did you use that song at the uh, end? Yeah, of the I, I think I used the Aretha Franklin song. I'm gonna, I'm I thought gonna, we'd done it before. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. because that's the thing is, uh, I'll mention it again. The song was actually written for Paul wrote it with the idea that it'd be like a Motown sounding song, and he thought about it as being for Aretha Franklin, and she initially passed on the song. So, so Paul recorded his version of it, and interestingly enough, "Let It Be" the album came out in 1970, and Aretha Franklin's album with her version came out in 1970. But her version got overshadowed because it was the last Beatles album. Right. Um, but I think that her version is the definitive version of that song, the way that Joe Cocker's "With a Little Help from My Friends" is the definitive version of that song. Right. Um, but um, I don't like. I don't. But anyways, go ahead. Okay, well, maybe so it's because I grew up the Wonder Years. I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. Okay. Well, since 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 we've we've expounded, or you've expounded profusely about the the greatness of this album, how about I tell you as the newbie oh, yeah, which yeah. songs I liked, and you can judge me. Okay, that works. Yeah, no, we don't care. <laughs> uh, I I liked I liked I dig a pony. Okay, I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you. Yeah. I don't get it. You don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it either. But I, I like it. I mean, it sounds good. I you like can it. penetrate. Nah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's got lots of nah, lots of penetration in that get song. Into the, get into the lyrics on that. That's what I don't get. Which song had the wet dream in it? That's um. um Seriously, right now. This is where you're gonna go with this. <laughs> uh, I think I had it down. I think I, it. Uh, I don't know. I like Dig a Pony. Uh, my question is, that it, it sounds a lot like the um, the Joe Cocker song that's on Wonder Years. I've got a feeling. Oh, okay. I've got a uh, you know what I'm talking about? Is that with the my friend? I don't know. Ask the question again. I'm sorry. I it sounds like the Joe Cocker song that's on the one. Yes, the it does. It does. A lot like it. Yeah, Dig a Pony? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so when I was listening to the day, I said to Kana, I said that I said when it gets to that like pre chorus or whatever, I was yeah. like wanted to be like, With a little help from my friend. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, no, or uh yeah. 
I thought that was interesting. I think it might be one of the reasons why I like the song. Yeah, it's a good song. Actually, that's that's one I've I've never really. I will say, Matt, I'm glad you picked this because, like, Dig a Pony, One Over Nine Oh Nine, those are the songs I used to skip over, and so having to listen to the record, I was like, I have to listen to all of it, <laughs> and I'm actually glad I did because I, I actually never really paid much attention to I Dig a Pony. I like the song. It's a good one. I liked it. I uh, mine. A lot of this uh, actually kind of struck me as like good road tripping music. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, like road music, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Like driving across mm-hmm. the country. Well, that's and my favorite song for that is Two of Us. I think Two of Us has the. And that's actually my next one on the list that I liked was Two of Us. I uh, think it's my favorite Beatles song. Really? Yeah, that or um, like that. Like, it's it's I mean, hard. How do you say it's your favorite Beatles song? But uh, it's like <laughs> I really like Two of Us. I refuse, it's like your favorite. I refuse to say that sentence because of the fact that every time I say it, then we say another song, and I'm like, ah. Oh. My favorite. Yeah. Was it? What was the conversation we had a long time ago? Matt was like, "How can you say you don't like the Beatles?" It's like saying you don't like pie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I but I think, yeah, I really like that song. I really do. I also like "I Will" off of the White Album. Kane and I danced to that song at our wedding. Yeah, two of two of us. That that to me that that was like the 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 one that was like the road song. Like, and it's about John and Paul. Okay. There's a desperation to that song because their friendship was ending. And that idea, and that was, together. yeah, and that's sort of Paul's way of trying to get John to remember. Hmm. You know, John Lennon once said, um, really sad. yeah, John Lennon said he's had two great loves in his life, Paul McCartney and Yoko Ono. So that's a pretty good record. <laughs> um, I mean, he, they, they really did love each other. I mean, they were, they had a really close friendship and, um, you look like you have thoughts. No, I have lots of thoughts, but not, not like contradicting or about me. I'm <laughs> yeah. No, I'm listening to him. Yeah. So when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, cause it sounds like, you know, the idea of like, you know, Two of us, you know, chasing paper, you know, trying to get money, trying to get paid, yeah. you know, striking matches, um, lifting latches, like oh, like kids at Liverpool, like when they were like misfit right. kids in Liverpool. It's like he's just trying, Paul, because I think Paul's the major songwriter on that. It's like he's just trying to remind John, like, remember all the good times we had. Two I mean, this us. is an act of desperation. He wants Paul McCartney wants the Beatles to be together, and like you hear the desperation, and the whole time I listen to the album, I'm like, I want, like, especially like two of us, I'm like. I, I feel it. I feel you, Paul. But then I'm like, ah, and then I look like a, like like a Mick Jagger, and I'm like, I'm glad you guys broke up. Because <laughs> could you imagine the Beatles I, were still around? Yeah. We'd be like, I'm oh, the Beatles, really? Like, I don't know. I went Bob to I, I went to Paul McCartney's concert only like a couple years ago, and he's still amazing. I mean, he's still amazing. But I'm just saying, like, could you imagine if the Beatles were still? I mean, I just I don't know. I think I don't know if they if they all still were at like his level. My point is, they would just they wouldn't look great. But they would still be amazing. I mean, he's still. I mean, Paul McCartney still sounds great. Oh, that's what I mean. Like it's when you watch Paul play, it's not like watching Mick Jagger play. But right, I you're you're talking about it, and I'm, it's making me think even more about it. Uh, JP asked songs I like on the album. Yeah. Um, and then you were talking about two of us. Don't let me down. Oh, that's a good song. That's I love the too. song. I feel like if you just listen to it, if it's playing in the background you would have like this idea that it's kind of a, you know, it's an upbeat kind of sounding sound to it. But when I hear it, I hear nothing but desperation. Mm-hmm. When I hear don't let me down, it's almost like to me, and I love it to me when I'm like listening to it, it's almost like I hear him crying it out. Like, don't let me down kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I love it. I don't know why, but I love it. I love that like clashing of how it sounds on the surface, but how it makes me feel listening to it are two totally different things. And that like, song, hey, for some reason, and that song <laughs> for some reason really does that is "Don't Let Me Down." When they're singing it, it's like it sounds on the surface very like "Don't Let Me Down." Yeah. And then, and the feeling though is, ugh. yeah, I, I um, so here's I have a little anecdote about that song. I got into a pretty heated um, argument with um my friend Josh. I know Josh, if you're listening to the podcast, you maybe you'll remember the story. So we're we're hanging out in his room and we're talking. He was like a big Matchbox Twenty fan at the time, and I was just sort of I hated Matchbox Twenty. Now I I, I kind of like Matchbox Twenty, but I um he was wanting he was wanting watching a live DVD or wanting to, and he was like, oh, they do this great cover of um of this of this Beatles song, Don't Let Me Down, and I'm like, Don't Let Me Down's not a Beatles song. Like it's a Beatles song. Like, it's not a Beatles song. And I'm like, and I was doing those things, kind of like the published author thing. I'm like, yeah. I own every Beatles album. I've listened to them. Blah 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 blah. And he's like, it's a Beatles song. He's like, no, what? And then um, he actually like dug out "Let It Be" and was like, "It's a Beatles song." <laughs> and I, they actually played the DVD of them playing it. I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this." Song. On the I had to eat. I eat my. I eat my humble pie. Yeah, I got "Don't Let Me Down" on my list too. Uh, and I don't know. I 
I pictured it like something you and your friends seeing like on the bus when you're traveling together. Like, I don't know, like one of those bus songs. Like, yeah. you, know, you, know almost, I mean? you can almost imagine them singing it on yeah. tour right. as a, guys, don't break apart, don't let me down. Yeah. You can almost picture on their tour bus. Like, yeah. you know how, like, when people, if they're, like, traveling together or hiking, you'll break out with, uh, na, 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 hey. You know, no. Yeah. Or, 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 hey, June. Yeah. Like a, Things like oh, that. Just hey, sing-along songs. Like, Wrong album. Come on. Stop it. <laughs> I know it's saying. Like, you're not helping. Yeah. So, that just, that just kind of, that feels like that kind of song. I feel like one day, all three of us will, will burst out into it. Well, my guitar, Johnny Lee. I love that song. That, oh, that might be my Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god! And um, sorry, but the movie that you're over, that scene is incredible. That scene is incredible, and that's uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the scene. There's a there's a there's a priest that shows up in that scene. It's amazing. And he's in his cassock beretta and his stole, and I remember being like, "There's yes, like I'm gonna four dress different." Like that. And I did. I started doing. There's like that. two major heart wrenching storylines: one historical and one a fictional storyline in the movie that converge during the song while my guitar yeah. gently weeps. One of them is Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. Right. Um, and then the other is a fictional storyline that has to do with the main character and the, the girl he's, he's in love with. But they converge during that song, and it will make you make you cry watching it. Um, I also have uh, I Me Mine. I'm in mine. I'm you know, sometimes when I when I when I'm feeling um, silly, I will sing the lyrics as Amy Man um, <laughs> from Eurythmics. Um, it's funny. Um, and then I have a, Across the Universe and Let It Be, which is yeah, of course it's going to be on my list. So no Long and Winding Road. I don't no no I don't have that on there. Uh, oh, but I had uh, One After Nine Nine on there as well. Okay. Well, was it about One After Nine Nine that got you? I think it's sort of the same thing as um, the two of us. I think it it, it was kind of went hand in hand with that to me. Okay. As sort of like a road tripping with your friends. Like I mean that's what this whole album kind of feels like. It really is about like being friends. It sounds it's like I keep saying it's this sounds like road trip music, you're with your friends, you're on the tour with your friends. Like that is like friends on a journey together. Like that's kinda like what this album is, and that's gonna what was the point to it, right? It was right. like it's like it's like all those times I kept trying to get Team China back together <laughs> throughout <laughs> college just to hang out. Uh, you know, or you know, what we're doing now. For listeners who don't know what Jamie's talking about, Team China is the mission trip team that he went on. My, my first mission his trip. first mission trip. And for those of you who were on it with him, he's back to bandana right now. Yeah, he's rocking that bandana. <laughs> um, you are looking like Team China right now. I totally am. Um, just missing my aviators. But yeah, yeah, let it be definitely. I think, but it's interesting how, to me, the, excuse me, the two piano ballads um, sort of stand out. Long yeah. Winding Road and Let It Be. They stand out kind of part of the rest of the album in that regard. That and Across the Universe. Across the Universe is like such an outlier song for the rest of the album. It's, it's a, got it, kind of like a sitari sound to it. and Yeah, you know, I, I listened to the uh, Phil Spector version a week ago. Not the whole not the whole way through. I listened to it while I was farming. And like when Across the Universe came out, I didn't even know it was on the album. I was like really jarred. Like, the song is on here? Really? It's so yeah. weird. <laughs> and can I just, I want to, I do want to admit, I think I like the Phil Spector version of Across the Universe, the, the one of this album. That's I don't, know. I don't I like I don't the effects. Think, I, think it, I think it works. I don't think Phil Spector did too, too much to that song, if I'm not mistaken. I think that... Um, His voice sounds very different. Yeah, it's more agree. I mean, the, the, the Phil Spector sitar, inclusions are much more egregious on like The Long and Winding Road and Let It Be. Yeah. It's for... But yeah, um, I like the Long and Winding Road. I like that song a lot. I, I like the Naked version because I like that's to me when I realized how there's some great artistic restraint in the song because the the um, the drum hit is harder in the Phil Spector version, the Long and Winding Road, and this one it's more. You hear the really clear piano. It's almost like well, glass. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, good bass the, guitar in it. I honestly think that this album is almost. I mean this as a positive, but I also think it's why some people, not that I know you've explained, but why some people say it's their most boring. Um, I think this album is almost painfully restrained, and that's mm. what I love okay. about it. Yeah. Um, to me, that's what I love about ac acoustic music a lot of times. Um, I feel like the emotion is more on the surface and more raw when it's almost that painful, like you're waiting for it 
to to break into the more produced beetle sound and yeah. it doesn't and you're just stuck with that like the the emotion that hits you at the beginning just lingers throughout the entire song and it doesn't even matter where the song goes you're carried with that, yeah, that, that emotion and feel through it and that and that's the thing is like long and winding road gets it because like i think like phil Spector really heard it and he heard what like most people want is the long and winding road bam, 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 bam. Yeah. but like the version is this is like it's like dun, 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 dun. it's very right. piano driven rather than like you so matt what um what initially drew you to the beatles like how did your relationship with the beatles begin I don't even know when it initially started. I feel like I've always listened to the Beatles. Yeah. Um, I do think that my, um, I think it's like the only oldies rock kind of music that I ever heard my dad talk about because my dad was never a big music person. Oh, yeah. So even he liked the Beatles. Um, I always picture dad's more of an Elvis guy. And then, yeah. Oh, Elvis is, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other world. Um, we're not going to get started on that right now. I'm not going to let you lead me down that one. Wait, wait, Johnny wait. Cash. I'm thinking Elvis and Johnny Cash with your dad. No, like, are we saying that we're going to have your dad on the podcast talk about Elvis? I love Elvis. Um, I'm <laughs> obsessed with Elvis, too. In my opinion, the Beatles are the best. That's it for yeah. me. But, um, but Elvis, Elvis, is, Elvis is a close second for me. And I love his movies. Yeah, like me and my <laughs> they're grandma, great. They're really good. Me and my grandma used to watch those together. They're like the Fast um, and the Furious of their day. Yes, the one they were. The, 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 the way that he did it, the one he did in Miami, I really like. But no, there's that, and then uh, actually, the office we're recording in here, there's a guy who my dad's worked with my whole life. But they've worked together my whole life. But um, Gary Green, I'll give a shout out to him. Oh, Gary, good guy. I defy you to find somebody other than a music producer for real, yeah. um, to find somebody who has more knowledge about Beatles than this guy. Um, and he's the one who, hearing him talk about it, and then he get, I got every single album through him, um, and that just took a whole new level. Because I used to listen to Beatles, love the Beatles, but I had a very limited um, history with the songs I even heard. Yeah. See, and I, then I got into all the stuff like the recording sessions and studio. I got all that stuff because of him. Um, and that's changed the whole thing. So you, you had someone hold your hand and bring you yeah. into the journey. Yeah, I really wish we had him here to talk right <laughs> yeah, now. We're going to get him on here someday. I want to do a conspiracy episode with him oh, yeah. <laughs> and just let him go off on the rant about Paul McCartney's dead. Oh, he's like into that? No, but he knows all of it. Because I, I, I have a book. Have I talked about the book on this that I have? I have a book that I bought on an antique shop like years ago yeah. called The Walrus Was Paul. And it's like the definitive book on this. I, I read that thing like, oh my gosh. Oh, I would totally do this episode. Yeah. No, he uh, he doesn't believe it at oh, all. Oh, right. No, me neither. But, but, you, but you will by the time he's done talking about <laughs> it. Oh, no. Like, like that's how, no, that's this how book is great because it talks about it talks about how his sort of hypothesis is that the Beatles kind of created something because they thought it would be fun, mm -hmm. but then it kind of it got out of hand. But the Beatles also never admitted; they were wary of admitting that they had ever done any of this stuff, right? Because largely because Charles Manson took their music uh, to right, like yeah, such a weird literal place yeah. that they were worried that they could get in trouble. Yeah, about hidden messages. Yeah. Stuff. yeah, but for people out there right now that are completely lost, we're going to do an episode on it someday. We, we just decided that. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Let's hear it. Well, Matt, thank you uh, for uh, introducing this album to me. <laughs> I'm glad we were able to, 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 to uh, uh, cover the Beatles on an episode. Mm -hmm. That was fun, even though I took very little to say. Go watch Across the Universe. <laughs> I, I've seen Across the Universe. Like I said, I love that oh, the Joe Cocker version that come together. Uh, no, it's really good. I just disagree that it's a definitive version. Uh, yeah. uh, we all know the definitive version is the Aerosmiths. <clears throat> right? Right, guys? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, so thank you, Matt. And now what we're going to do is announce next week's album, which I guess, Chuck, you're going to do? It falls to me, I guess, because his father, Fun, and Keelan, I know we, let's be honest, Keelan's not listening right now, um, but Father Fun, who I hope is listening still, um, have dropped the ball and have not talked, you know, so we'll, we'll get you guys next week. Yeah. This actually turned to be a little tougher than I thought because I, so I, the album, I, I'm, I'm still pretty sure, I'm like, I'm, I'm, yeah, that I'm going to pick 
is the album that got me wanting to do this whole mayhem thing anyway. And but then I kind of went back because I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a little concerned about the fact that there's a little bit of a lack of diversity in our pick so far. Okay, it's been white guys. Um, you only had done two albums, but okay. I know, I know. So I thought about so there was a part of me that kind of wanted to mix it up. Okay. Um, but then I realized that then last week Matt gave Matt gave a little bit of like extra credit to those who wanted it, which was um, to listen to the soundtrack or the soundtrack to Sing Street. So what I'm going to do is my extra credit for those of you who are listening to this podcast, um, because part of what I wanted to do with this was not just talk about like great albums, also talk about like introduce music that people don't normally listen to. Um, with this, with this, you can't use this, Pedro Bustamante. Not going to use Pedro okay, Bustamante. Is um um because I really really was on the fence between two albums, and so the the extra credit is going to be this one, which is the Voyager by Jenny Lewis. Um. Um, Jenny Lewis is an incredible songwriter. She was the um, both of you guys like shaking your head. Yeah, <laughs> See, this is my hipster thing. But no, so Jenny Lewis. People know the people. There's some people that don't know exactly what I'm talking about. Jenny Lewis is. Um, so you know who Jenny Lewis is. There is one. Person oh, else. she's the redhead. Is in the Wizard. The Wizard. Yeah, she's an actress. She became a musician. Yeah. She was the, the she was the primary um, um, driving force behind a band called Rilo Kylie. Yeah, that's right. Um, and um, have since gone on a solo career. Kylo Ren. Yes, um, <laughs> Kylo Riley. And uh, Rilo Kylie, jeez. Anyway, <laughs> um, but her but her solo album, The Voyager, is, f- I mean, absolutely fantastic. Some of the best songwriting I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, um, and so I highly recommend you check it out. If you're looking for something extra, the EP by Maggie Rogers is also pretty good. Just I came out. That was your extra. Um, I'm mean, giving you know I'm giving some bonus here. Um, um, but the album, the album, and the reason I'm sticking with it is because I am convinced. That it is among the most important albums of the 20th century. It is definitely one of the most controversial albums of the 20th century. I don't think it's picking it up. But I'm curious, what do you guys think I'm going to pick? Because you guys had ideas like, I know Matt, you you initially thought I was going to pick like DC Talk or something. Because <laughs> I did, I did play with that. By the way, I did play the idea of Jesus, Jesus Freak for hey, a while. I thought long and hard about picking a couple that actually would have led into really good discussions. Because there is actually from that era of music, the whole Christian music mm-hmm. movement thing. There's some actual decent stuff out there. Oh, absolutely. So I was tempted to to pull out a couple, but I mean, I I had a chance. I went for the Beatles. It's music mayhem. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm gonna guess uh, Evanescence. <laughs> Uh, no, no. See, because I would have, I would have expected, Nickelback. I would have expected some in sync from one of you guys. You guys have surprised me. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that we're hey, surprising we would, each other. We would have this. no in sync without the Beatles. Yeah, that's true. They're so, a inspiration. So, I uh, what's true? They were a boy band originally. Um. So, so, I'm not uh, so look, one of the most important. You said it's one of the most important albums of the 20th century. Yes. Um. Gosh, just uh, never mind is important. Nirvana. It's not never mind. But you did say no, no, no white dudes, right? So. No, it is a white dude. Oh. Oh. This is a white dude. Actually, this is this is gonna be like the white dude. The white. Oh gosh. Uh, uh I'm thinking like Justin Timberlake. Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> no, actually, I thought about that too. One of my favorite records. Is <laughs> Matt Warner Run. But yeah, no. that's, yeah, that's what I say. Warner Run. <laughs> I love that album. Love it. Um, so uh, I'm just, I, I'm just gonna come out with it, guys. Okay. Unless Matt has wants to play around and play this game. Okay. For music, for the next installment of Music Mayhem, we are going to listen to Paul Simon, his album Graceland, 1986 album oh. Graceland. 1986. Did was that when he was uh, married to Carrie Fisher? It's when he was getting divorced from Carrie Fisher. Okay. So a lot of the music deals with his his failed relationship with Carrie Fisher, but the album oh. is major controversial yeah. because. He brought. He recorded with a bunch of South African musicians during the apartheid era, during yeah. the cultural boycott from the United Nations, and there was a big there was a big thing about whether or not he violated the cultural boycott. However, there are some people who have argued that this album played a played some role, maybe a small role, but some role in hurrying up the end of apartheid. Really? Yes. <laughs> um, but that so. Anyway, the album is huge. I think it's hugely important. I think it has it's it, it has it's had a seismic impact on music that many of us don't recognize. And I am willing to bet that neither of you have ever listened nope. to it. No, I don't think I have. So it'll be an education, though you probably know the monster single from it, which is "Call Me Out." Nope. The, vi- the video had Chevy Chase in it. Uh, no. Nope. Nope. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so it's a so it's a breakup album. 
sort of. So it's a precursor to. We'll talk. Fun. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. No, but we'll talk about it. Um, we'll talk about it. Is there one that Carrie Fisher helped write some stuff? Because I know she helped. She helped Paul Simon write some of his music. Um, when they were together. I don't. Maybe. Um, but it. You listen to it, and you know their that their marriage is falling apart. It's 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 in the background of what's going on. And she has said that. Some of the songs on it are about her. We, we, we'll talk about that. We'll yeah. talk about that. Uh, she's, I, I've heard her talk about it. Like I, I read, I read her book when she passed away, and she mentioned she talked about it a lot. Music yeah. man. But no, this is an album that um, since I <laughs> since I purchased it um, about four months ago has been pretty much in constant rotation in my car. Really? Like I, I yes, yes, I am. I am immensely obsessed with this album. And there's a documentary called Under African Skies, which is like marks the 25th anniversary of the album. Um, I've, I, I, I would like to, I've not watched it yet. I'm going to try to get to around doing that before yes. the episode. But um, anyway, it's, um, it will be a musical education for you guys. It will be. I mean, I, I actually, uh, you know, Edgar Wright's new movie that's coming out is Baby Driver. Yes. And Baby Driver is a Garfunkel and a Simon and Garfunkel song. Oh, right. And uh, so that kind of prompted me to listen to that album before that that happened. I actually really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm excited about this. What are you? I mean, I know we want to talk about this next week, but just quick thoughts. What are your thoughts on Garfunkel? Again, holding back Paul Simon, probably. <laughs> I don't know. They, they, they've had such an interesting relationship. But here's the thing: is like I'm not I'm not a huge like I don't know a whole lot about Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to try to put anything up like oh I know they're from a huge fan of of Paul Simon and Garfunkel. I'm a huge fan of Graceland by Paul Simon. Okay. Um, and, um, um, but I think it's, you know, I think it's also going to be rich. There's some, there's some theology that we can talk about. That's, it's, in it. I mean, it's, it's a good album. It's a good nice. album. So. Are you excited, Matt? I'm excited. You need to own it. If you don't anyway, just buy it. I will buy it for you. <laughs> well, that's, that should be on Apple Music, right? It should be. Yeah. I mean, I just sure. downloaded and owned it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but what was the other one? Jenny Lewis, uh, The Voyager? Jenny Lewis, The Voyager, also. Okay. 2014 album. Is um, there a reason why these two would go together that you could probably tell us today? Um, both very good both very good songwriting. Okay. Uh, very poetic songwriting. Um, a little bit different stuff, like, musically. Um, and, the, I mean, really, the thing that put Paul Simon over, that I, and the thing I really want to talk about, is that Paul Simon used this album... I think this is important stuff to talk about before the episode. Yeah. Is that Paul Simon Paul, the, 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 used this album as a way to introduce the West to South African music? Okay. In particular, one of the one one of the. So it's not appropriation. It's not cultural appropriation. I mean, there's some people who claim that it is. Yeah. And that's why I think we can talk. That'll be interesting to talk about. But is um but one one musical group that has been I mean immensely impacted by them is Ladysmith Black Mombazo. Oh yeah, I saw them perform live once. Yeah, so they were intro- they're in they're 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 in the album. Oh, wow. And they were introduced to the West by by Paul Simon. Paul Simon brought them to the United States. Really? And they've been on constant tour since the release of this album. Oh wow, that's cool. So so that's when they put it above is that even though Paul Simon is like an uber white dude, mm-hmm. yeah. is that this is also to talk about it is to talk about South African music and mm-hmm. what's going on and, and to talk about apartheid and the apartheid era and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Um and so I, I feel like it's a and, and you know it's, it'll be good, but yeah, Jenna Lewis, The Voyager, very good album. I mean, I highly recommended. Um, um, I think that um, Late Bloomer off that album is one of the best written songs I've ever heard. Yeah. Um. Um. And and yeah, and the, the other piece, uh, I, I, another comparison too, is that Paul Simon and um, Jenny Lewis both do a really cool thing, and that is they talk about where they're at in their life now. Jenny Lewis is in her forties, mm-hmm. and so she talks. A, you know, she's a little bit about recognizing that she's you know 40 year old rock musician so she's a little bit immature and all that um paul simon's talking about his life after divorce and kids and all of that and i think it's d snyder i think it's d snyder twisted sister maybe who said that um that rock music is supposed to be young he says except for paul simon uh, because paul simon sings about life as it's happening at, at appropriate ages and he, huh. and he really captures it so interesting um us being in our 30s i think listening to paul this uh, all, us oh, pretty much in our mid-30s oh, let's be honest guys. I, don't, I don't oh my gosh I'm, I'm, um i'm turning 28 next month is um paul mccartney or is paul simon talking about life so cool graceland all right well that's all the time we have for this week uh be sure to listen to paul simon's uh graceland and uh his extra credit Jenny Lewis's uh, The Voyager. And uh, 
Father Chuck, thank you so much. And Matt, thank you. Or I should say Deputy Matt, thank you so much for recommending the album. And uh, thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful week and good journey. Good journey. Music mayhem. Gosh. Don't let me She do me Ooh, she do me Yes, yeah, she does